If you've got a Bible or an iPhone or iPad, let's go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5, verse 23. Uh, last message, I talked about Enoch, and I just want to bring you back to his attention or bring you to his bring you to bring you back to attention about him again in Genesis chapter 5. Enoch was an unusual individual in the fact that this is again uh, five chapters after you know Genesis 1 where God created the earth and God created mankind. And here we have in Genesis chapter 5 beginning in verse number 21 um, it says that Enoch was 65 years old and he had a child named Methuselah. So what's special about that is you read throughout this genealogy in chapter 5 these people lived I mean they had some senior adult living going on <laughs> as it says all throughout chapter 5. It was awesome and uh, to the point where even one of them lived here nearly a thousand years old. That's, that's pretty awesome in my opinion. But hey notice what it says here about, about Enoch and it's unusual what it says uh, compared to the others, as I said before. But again, I just want to point out to you, it says that after he had Methuselah, it says in verse 22, it says, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So he began his family at 65 years old. And I think that's interesting in itself. And I talked about that last time. I'll always talk about that. You know me, the older you get, what? The better you get. But notice what it says here. All the days of Enoch were, what, 365 years. But verse 24, here's the beautiful thing that's said about him, ladies and gentlemen. It says that Enoch walked with God. Notice that. He said he didn't run with God, didn't say he ran from God. What did he say? He said he walked with God. And he walked so close to God, in my opinion. I'm, of course, elaborating here as far as the verse of Scripture says. It says Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God literally took him. That he walked so close to God that God said, hey, Enoch, Enoch listen you know what, just come on up here. I don't want to come there anymore. You, don't, you just come to my house. You come to my world. And uh, that's what happened to Enoch. And you say, well, that's, that's a special person at a special time. Listen, these were, these were people just like you and I. They had problems. They had things they faced. They had challenges they faced. And you think that they had it easy. No, they did not. As a matter of fact, things were not looking good. As you look into chapter 6, if you look at if you have a Bible like mine, it says that the wickedness and the judgment of man was beginning because Enoch's great grandson, which is Noah, comes into play here. And Noah, it says in Genesis 6, 9 in the Amplified Bible, it says that Noah walked with God also, but it says in the Amplified Bible, it says that Noah had a habitual, everybody say habitual. He, had a, he actually had not only a, a relationship of walking with God, but he was known to have a closeness. And of course, man, when you look at Genesis chapter 6, ladies and gentlemen, what, what he had to go through. I mean, in Genesis 6, and, and again, I can't for the sake of time, there are, you know, 20, what, 20, 20, yeah, 22 verses in chapter 6, but I encourage you to read it because a lot of times I hear a lot of people say, well, the, the you know, things in our world right now are the worst than, they, worse than they've ever been and all this kind of stuff. Listen, no, they're not because it says right here in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of throughout his heart was evil only. And notice verse number 6. It says, and the Lord was very sorry that he had made man on the earth and he grieved his heart. I mean, God was actually repentant to the fact that or remorseful that the fact that he created man. I mean, to the mankind was so messed up and to the point where what he say in verse number 6, he said, the Lord 
Lord said, I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth. The very thing that God loved, the very thing that he wanted and had in the beginning with Adam and Eve, a walking habitual relationship with him that was nowhere be, nowhere to be found except in what? Enoch and then, you know, in Enoch's grandson Noah and notice what it says here in verse number seven it says the Lord said I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth both man and beast creeping thing and birds of the earth I am sorry that I have made them but notice verse number eight watch this in the middle of all this chaos in the middle of all this wickedness it says in Genesis chapter number six verse eight but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord let's say that together Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and you and I in the midst of all this can find grace in the eyes of the Lord but we got to seek it We've got to look for it, even though, you know, all this is going on out there. And you may think, well, what about this? And what about that? Listen, I'm telling you what, God is to the point, you know, now. I mean, he was at the point then that he wanted to destroy the earth, but he's never going to do that again. That was a one-time deal. And I'm thankful. I am so thankful that the earth is not like that. I'm telling you what, I know there's a lot going on, and I know there's wickedness throughout the earth. But, hey, we're not to the point where what happened then is going to happen now because God took care of that then. Because, you know why he found a man and a family, everybody say a family, a family that found grace in his eyes. And of course, notice what it says in verse nine. This is a genealogy of Noah, that Noah was a just or righteous man, blameless or perfect in his generation. Watch this. And Noah walked with God and then he begot sons in verse 10. And of course, what, what happens in verese number 12 of this chapter, I mean, verse number 13, this chapter, I mean, you're walking with God. Then all of a sudden God speaks to your heart and says, listen, I want you to build this boat. <laughs> and he starts outlining in verse number 13 how he wants this boat, which was, what, over 400 yards long. And I mean, you, we've seen pictures of the ark, have we not? I mean, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And they couldn't go down to Home Depot or Lowe's and get the materials, Ruben. I mean, you know, they had to do it in, a, in such a way that was different compared to now. And God tells him specifically how he wants to build this boat, even in verse number 16, to have only one window in the boat. Isn't that interesting? And only one door and in all this specificness. And he's building this boat and people are thinking he's crazy. What's this man doing over here building this boat? We're, you know, again... You know the story, but I've got a video. Can y'all can y'all pull that video up in just a second here? Uh, let me set this video up. Okay, you can got it. Hold on just a second. Let me set it up. This is, um, now this video you're about to see is actually the story of, of, of what happened then. And it's to a song that friends of mine, Dave and the Giants, wrote. This is a band I used to travel with and, and did production with and, and concerts with and just, just dear friends of mine. Every single one of them are still alive today and serving the Lord. This is back in the 80s. Now, this is not their official video, okay? This is their music but this is, again, when we used to do concerts together, in the, at, the, at one point in the concert, they would play this song. And uh, then we'd, we'd have all the lighting production, and uh, we'd use it as a time to draw people to the Lord because it's powerful. And uh, anyway, um, David and the Giants, this is David Huff and his brothers, and Keith T uh, Thibodeau. Keith is, uh, he's the um, drummer for Little Ricky, he's uh, he's the drummer on the I, uh, I Love Lucy show. He's not he's not he was not Lucy and uh, Lizzie uh, was it he was Desi Arnaz's son, but he was the actual the actor that played the, their son as in the in the uh, television show. But anyway, he's the drummer on this. So anyway, dear friends of mine and. Uh, 
Anyway, I need to get them to our church. They're just just a great, great people. And so uh, if you could play this song, it's a little cheesy, The uh, again, the, um, the imagery here, but the music is the most important thing, and I can't find a video that they produce. As a matter of fact, maybe I need to help David and them produce a video because this is an awesome song. Listen to it. It's only three minutes, and uh, let's talk about it in just a second. Go ahead, guys. Thank you. Everybody's talking about you No one, no one, no one Haven't you better things to do? Many years we watched you here Still you say the flood is near It don't look like rain today It's just another sunny day No one, no one You've been working for a long, long time No, I, no, I, no, I I'm believing you have lost your mind Come on down, the weather's fine We'll live it up and drink some wine It don't look like rain today It's just another sunny day Oh, you say it's seven days Gonna rain for 40 days and nights Who are you to tell me that I don't believe I'll have to see myself No, I, no, I, no, I You've really done it this time No, I, no, I, no, I Loading creatures of every kind Two by two you load them up While I drink another cup It don't look like rain today It's just another sunny day Oh, you say in seven days It's gonna rain for forty days and nights Who are you to tell me that I don't believe I'll Myself. No, I, no, I, no, I. Now everybody's talking about you. No, I, no, I, no, I. Haven't you better things to do? Come on down, the weather is fine. We'll live it up and drink some wine. It don't look like rain today. It's just another sunny day. Don't look like rain today It's just another, just another sunny
encouraging. I tell you what, thousands and thousands of young people came to the Lord during those songs. It was it was awesome. Uh, that video just did not do it justice. But uh, th- that song, in that beautiful song, David's such an awesome guy. I get, I've got to get him here. Uh, there, there's there's just some of the greatest musicians I've ever played with, and some of the most humble men I've ever been around. So smart men walk on the moon, daring men walk on the ocean, but wise men and women of God, what do they do? They walk with God. Uh, People who walk with God, listen to this, they will always get to their destination. And that is the beautiful thing about Noah. He built this ark, even though people laughed at him, people made fun of him. And as the song says, you know, um, you know, they were like, hey, it's not going to rain today. Will it rain today? And look what happened. And I know, I know the pressure. Can you imagine that was under Noah emotionally to see people that he knew die? But, you know, God said, it's your family and these animals, and that was what happened in the ark. And, uh, you know, again, this in Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 7, you see what happened. Was Noah perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. But Noah obeyed God, and he put, himself, he put himself in a place, he said, even though I live in a twisted world, even though I live in a wicked world, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faultless in my own right. I'm going to walk as close to God as I know how, the best way I know how. And if you walk with God and, and just say, listen, I'm not going to have, you know, I'm not going to do it the world's way, I promise you there'll be victory every single time. Even though you may not understand it, can you imagine the pressure and, and to the point where, you know, David wrote that song, David Huff and them wrote that song. We talked about it many times. Um, and, you know, and again, traveling and hearing that show, hearing that song over and over. And, and of course, seeing people come to the Lord through it. Um, it it's, 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 it's anointing to, to, to know that when God reaches out to someone in the midst of such a dark hour like the flood and... Um, Anyway, it, it just it really touches my heart that you know that God had to start all over again. But He found He found a family. He found a person, and uh, the Russell Crowe movie uh, mo- uh, about Noah is just a really uh, dark movie to me. I don't really recommend it. Of course, um, you know Ten Commandments is coming up soon, so I highly recommend it <laughs> with Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner. That is the best of the best of the movies. But the 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 Noah movie with Russell Crowe, uh, well, not only it was a dark in my opinion, it was unscriptural in some cases. And then some of the instances throughout the movie were just, um, I don't know, I don't know, and then were dirty. I mean, they just, I mean, not dirty in a perverted way. They were just dirty. You know, they never took a bath or anything like that. I'm like, hey, you know, I mean, it was just, I, I didn't enjoy that movie. I didn't think it captured, you know, who we're talking about in this essence. Because Noah walked with God. He was a man of God. He obeyed God. He didn't understand it, but he went out and did it. Hey, turn to Genesis chapter 7. Verse 7, there's another man. Well, there's only two men in the Bible that says that walked with God. But down here in Genesis 17, talking about Abraham in verse number 1, this is interesting about him. It says he walked before God. Genesis 17 verse 1 says, and when Abram was 99, everybody say 99. Here you go, Pastor Brian, talking about these senior adult years. That's right. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to, him, to Abram. Excuse me, wasn't Abraham yet. And notice what it says in verse number uh, two. It says, well, let's go back to verse one. It says, I am almighty God. Walk before me. Everybody say, walk before me. Walk before me and be blameless. So what is God saying? He's saying, hey, Abram, you can do this. You can, I am almighty God. You can walk before me and you can be without reproach. Isn't that good news? 
And he says in verse 2, I'll make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. So here's a man at 99 years old that has no children, okay? And notice what God says, I will make a covenant with you and I will multiply you exceedingly. And notice verse 3, and it said that Abram fell on his face, wouldn't you too? <laughs> If God appeared to you, I'd have passed out, probably fell in the back. Anyway, but it says that Abram fell on his face and God talked with him there. I think that's the funniest scene. I just think that Abraham's laid out there and I just picture God just kneeling down and started talking to him, okay? That's just me anyway. Notice what it says. It says, verse three, and Abram fell on his face and God talked to him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. A man has no children, Look what it says in verse number uh, five. It says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but by but your name shall be called Abraham, and I have made you a father of many nations. Isn't that interesting at 99 years old? And notice what it says here. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Notice verse number seven. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants in their generation for an everlasting. Everybody say everlasting. One more time. Everlasting covenant to be a God for you. Let's just read together. For an everlasting covenant to be God to, be God to you and your descendants. After. Who's he talking about there? The nation of Israel. And I'm telling you what, you do not mess with the nation of Israel. If you mess with the nation of Israel, you're messing with God. Is that not true? I mean, they are the most awesome army there is. And they're not just awesome in the fact that, and I, I you know, again, I think our military is superior. Uh, working with Congressman Duncan Hunter, the chairman of the Armed Services Committee, and in the two years I had the chance to serve with him as a senior advisor, we had the greatest military. But I'm telling you what, when you got the hand of God on a military like it is with this situation, you cannot be defeated and you will not be defeated. You know, because if God is for you, who can bear, dare be against you? It doesn't matter how big or small or whatever your size is. I'm telling you what, it's awesome. Now, don't get me wrong. There are other great militaries and there are other great institutions as far as military. I have a friend of mine. Uh, his son is a Green Beret in the Australian Army. But, you know, again, and of course, the, uh, the, the, uh, the British Secret Service, I think, not, I'm not talking about James Bond. I'm talking about the British Secret Service. They're a pretty elite group. But let me tell you something. These people that belong to God Almighty in the Israeli army, they can't be touched. And you know why? I go back to here. God made a covenant. And when God makes a covenant, it's a done deal. And God made a covenant with Abraham, it says right here. And it says, to your descendants will be this land as an everlasting possession. You say, what does that have to do with me? Well, Abraham and his wife had great failures. They tried to have children on their own. They messed this whole situation up. And then all of a sudden, at 99 years old, after this time of messing things up, what did God do? God came back to them, visited them, called them blameless, changed their name. And yes, they had the, the promised child, Isaac, because why? They chose to walk with God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you start one way, you're in a situation of failure, and look what happens. God flips it around, turns it around, and look what, what happens in their life. Victory. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you, you got to read the story of these people. I mean, sometimes we think that Noah and Abraham are just, you know, they're unusual people that, you know, had unusual lives. Listen, they were just, 
just like you and I. They had the same battles you face every single day. As a matter of fact, they were facing things to me harder because they didn't have what you and I have. They don't have Starbucks. They don't have a cell phone. They don't have Facebook. I mean, just think. As I said a while ago, Noah didn't have, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot to build the ark with. He had to build it on his own. But let me tell you something. When you get covenant in your brain and you get covenant-minded like Noah did and Abraham did, then you begin to see beyond how you feel and what's going on. I'm telling you what Abraham at 99 said, listen, God, if you want this woman and I to have a family, we're going to have a family. And that's all there is to it. We've tried it our way. We're going to do it your way. And turn over to Romans chapter 4. Let me show you the outline of how actually Abraham did it, which is the classic of a man walking by faith. I'm telling you what, one of the things is, everybody knows, especially Mr. and Ms. Anderson. And by the way, Mr. Anderson's birthday is today. Let's give him a great big hand. He is a young 55 years old. <laughs> we have other birthdays in this church today. We got a whole bunch of birthdays this week, but Mr. Anderson is the uh, young senior adult, and so <laughs> we're giving him his due. And so, but note, <laughs> and in Romans chapter 4, Mr. Anderson and I had this uh, thing, and of course, uh, anybody who's around me knows how much I love John Wayne. I'm telling you what, he is a, there was the 12 apostles, and there's John Wayne, okay? John Wayne is a man's man. I like men's men, okay? I can't stand, you know, I just can't stand, you know, a, a man that's not a man is not a man, okay? That's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, I've got to move right along. Notice what it says in, in Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4. And uh, again, I think this is so interesting because not only did Noah learn to walk with God and Abraham, look what Abraham, listen to what he did now. Again, in verse number 17, this is where he's talking about, it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of whom he believed, talking about God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And verse number 18, and contrary to hope, watch this, in hope Abraham believed. He believed that what God spoke to him at 99 years old was going to come to pass. Now watch this. This is awesome. And it says over here in verse number 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Isn't that awesome? He did not look at his own body, whether you're 20 years old or whether you're 100 years old. I think you have to come to a place where, yes, this is the body that belongs to the Lord. You need to dedicate it as a temple of the Holy Spirit. But it comes to a place where you can't consider your body anymore. You've got to say, listen, I, my spirit is more important than my body. Yes, you need to take care of your body. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But notice what it says. He didn't consider his own body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And she was what? Was, he was about 100 years old, and she was about 90 years old, and they were getting ready to have a child. Isn't that amazing? I still think that's the most amazing thing. And he said, he didn't, verse 20, he said, he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Look at verse 21. This is the John Wayne moment of Christianity. He said, he was fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform. And ladies and gentlemen, when you get to a place where you are fully convinced, like Noah was, like Abraham, you're walking with God that regardless of what you feel, regardless of what's going on, you're going to walk with God regardless of the situation. I'm telling you something, something good is going to happen in the midst of that situation. Something good is going to turn in that situation. It's just like me, a student of military history. It's just a matter of time before the United States of America will win when it comes to military history. Situations. In my opinion, I had two uncles that fought at Iwo Jima, and um, 
The one of them was a machine gunner, which means that he carried the actual, those big machine guns and he landed on the beach and uh, his name was W, his name was WB. And then my grandmother's brother, well, he was the one that carried the, the ammunition. But I'm telling you what, the stories that I sat on that porch and my, and my grandmother's uh, farm there and heard them talking about landing on that beach at night, 18, 19, 20 years old and running up that well, it really wasn't even sand. It was a type of volcanic ash. And I mean, to do what they did the way they did it against an enemy that was just determined to die regardless, you know, of the situation. They were going to give themselves, but he, you as an American wanted to do one thing. You wanted to win and you wanted to go home. And here they were at 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm talking about real heroes, Marching up that, well, they weren't marching up, they were crawling up that beach, according to him, fighting this crazy idiot, but they were fully convinced that right would prevail. My Uncle WB told me not once, but he told me a hundred times. He was a big John Wayne type guy physically. I'm on my mother's side where everybody's smaller and I can't stand it. But anyway, my daddy's side of the family, they're all big, you know, and got big, you know, big people. And here I'm on my mother's side and they're all petite. Anyway, anyway, I, I love you mother I know you're watching but in the name of Jesus I wish I had my daddy's jeans when it came to that anyway but I kept my John Wayne pictures at my house but anyway praise the Lord Uh, my point with all that is man I'm telling what those were real men and they had an attitude that trusted God what they did listen their faith was so raw and I love that about that generation. And, I, you know, our generation today, they're so dang spoiled, it's beyond me. And I'm not going to get into that. I mean, their cell phones and their Facebook, and they get a car when they're 15, when they don't even drive till they're 16 with a driver's license, and it's paid for. And they go to Macy's, and they wear clothes that take some people a whole, anyway, I'm preaching, I better stop all that in the name of Jesus and drink $10 cups of coffee from Starbucks and have a fit if you don't get that for them twice a day, every day of the week, right? Spoiled. They're spoiled, aren't they not? And if they don't have an allowance of $500 a week, they're getting mad about it. Oh, my, well, my friend has an allowance of a, I mean, You know what my allowance was when I was growing up? Zero. That was my allowance. <laughs> Talking about an allowance. I give Allison an allowance because she's pretty, but Ben and Samuel, they're boys. They're going to have to work for it, okay? There's a difference, all right? <laughs> Pastor Brian, you better get back to your message. I'm trying. I really am. I am. Verse 21, being fully convinced. I mean, enough is enough of this generation and some of the things I see. And and by the time I go to Jonathan's high school, I'm telling you what, and I see the kids up there and I'm thinking, man, they've got no fight in them. Man, if we were to go to war right now, we we would have our tails kicked right now. If this is the generation coming up, man, we need a Noah. We need an Abraham to look in the eyes of the devil and spit in his face and say, listen, if you want to attack me, you're attacking Almighty God. But if God be for me, who can bear be against me? And that's the kind of attitude that I'm telling you what comes to a place where you are walking not away from God, but you're walking with God, just like Abraham, just like Noah. They walked with to a place where they didn't understand everything that was going on, but they knew that they knew that they knew that they knew that right was going to prevail. How does that happen, Pastor Brian? I got to move on. Turn over quickly to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Forgive me for preaching this morning. (laughs) 
Dave Nillette's not here, but he'd be doing some preaching when he shall be. He can preach. This couple's a preaching machines. But anyway, notice what it says here in Psalm 4610. Psalm 4610. What, what, how do you really get to this place of inner confidence? You know, I hate that. I don't even know why. I don't even have my uncle in my heart, but I just thought about him so strongly. One of the things I asked him, I said, why your, as you turned out, Psalm 4610, I said, why your head was buried in that sand there on the beach there of Iwo Jima? I said, what was going through your mind? He said, well, first of all, if I raised my head up at certain times, I was going to die. Second of all, I had to wait till I got the orders to move. And third of all, he said, I would listen to God. I said, what do you mean listen to God? He said, listen, if you don't listen to God, if you go to the right or you go to the left or if you move forward or you move backward, you're going to get killed unless you're doing it and the authority of that commander that's telling you what to do. And he said, I went from, he said, 25 yards to 25 yards to 25 yards to 25 yards till we got up to, I forgot the name of that hill. Where's the flag? Mount whatever. Anyway, where they raised the flag for Iwo Jima. Anyways, till we got to that point and conquered all that, he said, I had to do this. Verse number 10 of Psalm 46, I had to be still and know that he is God. That I had to know that in the middle of these bullets flying around me, he said, even at night, the darkest, he said, the enemy would attack at times you would not even think. And he said they would even kill our own medical people trying to go out and rescue people that were wounded. They would sniper them down. He said it was just, he said it was just unmerciful. But he said the more still I got on the inside, regardless of the noise on the outside, I knew God's voice. And when I knew to learn to discern God's voice, then strength came into my body. Strength came into me emotionally to get that job done. And ladies and gentlemen, you may have bullets flying around you, but what's it say? It says, be still and know that I'm God. Jesus did this very thing. Of course, he wasn't in a battle situation, but over in Mark chapter 1, notice what it says in Mark chapter 1. This is how Jesus started his day, which is a wise thing to do. And this was Jesus in, in the midst of his ministry. Mark chapter 1, verse number 35. Mark 1, 35. Notice what it says here. In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, what did Jesus do? He went out and departed to a solitary place. And what did he do? He prayed. He sought God. He walked with God. He was still in his spirit, just like in the midst of a battle. That's the best thing. One of the, one of the things that I do in my walk with God is when all the pressure comes, I don't revert to the outside reasoning. I revert to the inside hearing. I mean, I have fought some battles this week, personally, individually, with my parents. I mean, just down the line, 17 people in this church. I've been following up on one right here on this front row that had been in the hospital. I mean, a lot of stuff going on this week. I'm talking about just in our network, 17 people in our church family going through some, I mean, knockdown situations. My own family having to deal with that. Not sure if I'm going to have to make an emergency trip home to Alabama setting up all that with my family, and then having to deal with some other stuff, my own self personally, and going through that, what do you do? I, I, listen, my strength in situations like that come from my, uh, in, my inwardness, not my outwardness. Looking to the inside, saying, Lord, speak to my heart. Show me what to do. Be still and let you guide me and lead me. Don't respond and react out of fear. Don't do what my Uncle WB says. I mean, remembering his voice. Don't put your head up at the wrong time. 
out of that foxhole or out of that hole. It wasn't a foxhole there in Iwo Jima. It was just a hole. And because you can get shot at. But if you listen, if you focus in, you can make it through this situation. And you can win through this situation. But it has to be intentional. Listen, walking with God is not just something you just sort of happen to do. It's, you've got to purpose to do it. You've got to practice to do it. You know, great men that I admire that are great athletes, they, they are not great athletes because they're lazy. They're great athletes because they work at it, right? I mean, they give their all to it. I've been around some and uh, just a very dedicated men. I mean, I'm, of course, around a lot more musicians in my time in my life that, you know, that are very proficient. And um, I was just around some this, this last couple of days that are just excellent guitarists. And the reason why they're excellent guitarists is because they, they work at it intensely. There's a discipline. And if you want to know God and how to walk in victory, it's something you have to do purposefully. Go back to uh, Psalm 128. Let me just read it to you. Psalm 128, verse 1. Notice what it says right here. Psalm 128, verse 1. Uh, th- this is about this intentional walk with the Lord because I think so many times people just say, well, I- I'm going to walk with God or I'm going to, if I need God as far as, you know, you know, when I'm in a, in, a, in a negative situation, then I'll reach out to him. No, no, no. Listen, listen, come to a place where you're walking with him continually because when you do come to a negative place, you're not you know, just summoning him there to help you in a negative situation, you're walking through it. Like it says here in Psalm 128, verse 1, it says, Blessed is everyone who fears or honors the Lord, who walks in his ways. So that means as you're walking with God every single day and and, and hearing his voice as far as the voice of the Word of God, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe you want to take technology. As Of course, I was making fun of it a while ago, but thank God for this generation and the technology we have with cell phones and iPads and all these other things even now watches I mean there's just all kinds of communication ways for you to record what's going on in your life and to dialogue with God maybe you don't have to do it verbally but you could also do it to the point where you could write I know I was listening to this man this weekend talking about how his relationship with God is verbal and uh, he does read the word of God but he spends a lot of time journaling on an iPad between him and the Lord and uh, he's found answers as he's looked back day after day President Ronald Reagan I know that he has the presidential diaries, but he also had private diaries. And in those private diaries, he talks about his relationship with the Lord. And through the pressures of being the president of the United States and the decisions he needed to make, he made them because he trusted God's wisdom. And I'm telling you what, of all the presidents in my lifetime thus far, and of course I would hope for more, that that would walk in this way. But I think he's one of the greatest leaders we've had. And I'm thankful for that wisdom. But that wisdom comes from a man that's intentionally walking with God, learning to discern the complications of technology. I mean, technology is a blessing, but it also can be a point to where, you know, it it controls you. I mean, we got people that are addicted to Facebook. We got people that are addicted to their cell phones. And listen, there's nothing wrong with, you know, scrolling your phone and checking and and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I need it as a pastor to communicate with people. I want want to communicate with people and people are watching because of Facebook. My point with this, it has to be to a point where you're willing to set it aside and don't let that be your focus sometimes, but let the Lord's voice be more important. There are times now in my life that I create what I call quiet times or quiet zones. And what they are is I just simply don't want anything else talking to me, but the Lord and the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. And sometimes it takes a couple of minutes to detox But I'm telling you, one word from God in walking with him will change your life forever. 
That one voice will change your destiny. I'm telling you, you need to hear that voice. As it says right here, learn to walk in his ways. I've shared this before, but it bears repeating. A dear friend of mine uh, in his church, and I used to speak there a lot when I was traveling, is in downtown New York. It was at the Trade Center area, and it's called Faith Exchange Fellowship. They're online right now. And uh, there's a man in his church was his uh, senior executive pastor who had a a company and a company where he drove uh, executives that worked in the Twin Towers. And that morning he was driving on 9/11, and he dropped off someone, and he just was uh, parked his car. He had a, he had a routine that I actually went on him with, and you had coffee at a certain time. You had these. New York bagels at a certain time. Anyway, he uh, was he was doing his morning routine on 9-11, and as he was walking around the front of this building, getting ready to go into what they call the plaza area, the trade center area, which is the plaza area, and then you would go up into the one of the buildings, and that's where most of the coffee shops were that him and I would go to. He said that he heard the voice of the Lord as he was walking down that street, and of course, you remember 9-11 was a beautiful sunny day like today, and he heard the voice of the Lord immediately say to him, stop, don't move. And he kept going. He heard the voice the second time, stop, don't move. He heard the voice the third time, stop, do not move. So he stopped. He pressed himself against the wall because other people were walking by. He's thinking, well, now, what, what am I supposed to do here? All I'm hearing is stop, don't move. And all of a sudden, after he just pauses, puts himself back against the wall, he hears this loud, I mean, this explosion type thing, and all this noise above him and around the corner. And sure enough, one of the airplanes, the first airplane had hit, and one of the engines from the airplane had slid down the wall on the other side of him and slid down that wall. And if he'd have turned that corner, that engine would have killed him immediately. And I'm telling you what, walking with God and learning to discern his voice will save your life. How many people died that day that could have heard the voice of God maybe and not gone to work? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that in that church alone, there was 127 people that worked in the World Trade Center area. And every single one of those people were safe because Pastor Dan Stratt was talking on Psalms 91 all the month of August and walking with God and hearing his voice. And that happened in September. And all 127 of those people that worked downtown were saved. What about the others? I don't know. Listen, people, some people don't walk with God. Some people do. Some people die. I don't have all the answers. All I know is a dear friend of mine heard the voice of God three times and it saved his life. And I want to encourage you, walking with God, know, he knows what you should do and what corner you should not turn. Hey, one last scripture and then we'll pick it up later. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Notice what it says here. Uh, if you could get that in the Amplified Bible, I would appreciate it. Um, in the King James, it says this, talking about walking intentionally with God, but it also makes a statement here about redeeming time. I thought this was interesting. I've been studying this week. It says in Ephesians 5, verse number um, 15, it says, see that you walk circumspectly, or it says carefully or sensitively, not as fools, but as wise. Notice verse 16, it says, redeeming the time. Everybody say redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. What's that mean, Pastor Brian? That means making the most of time. If you could put the Amplified Bible up, it really says it really good here. 
Uh, there we go. Thank you so much. It says, therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people. Notice verse 16. There it goes. Making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of every opportunity, using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Now, we're not in the days of Noah that are prior to the flood. We're, we're, and even though I know there's a lot going on and you would question the day of evil, yes, there's evil going on. But at the same time, notice what it says. We can make the most of our time right now. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I made some mistakes. I've done some things that I should not have done. Hey, listen, Abraham, these people made some mistakes, but God redeemed their time, did he not? I mean, look what they did in Genesis 5 and 6. These people were living long and living strong, were they not? He took time and made it work for them. And I believe that the older you get, the better you can get if you'll let God take a hold of your time. If you'll let God manage your time, notice what it says, making the most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of every opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. Just like in all the things I've done in my life, I'm so thankful for being able to be in the music industry. I, that was such a, at the time when I got saved, it was such a, you know, it was a questionable thing. But now that I look back, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the relationships I have then and I do now. I'm thankful for what, you know, I was able to do as far as that and my time with my dad who, who took me through a lot of political situations with the people I've worked with. All those things have been good. And, I, and the Lord has built upon those things. And, and the, one of the things I was talking to the Lord about in my own heart, I said, Lord, I've been through all this. What was this for? It's because I knew in my heart that he was building and shaping me for the days ahead. That the older that I got, the better things would be because of the experiences I was going through now. And I tell you what, that's the beautiful thing about walking with God. He can redeem your past. He can turn things around. He can make things anew if you'll give it to him. All your failures and mistakes. Listen, you can, you can go to God and repent of those things and say, Lord, I, I, I messed up in that area. I was, I was dumb. I was stupid. I was selfish. Whatever the situation was. And listen, he'll turn that around. He'll redeem that situation. But you got to give it to him. If you don't give it to him, like Abraham, listen, if Abraham would have been proud and haughty about what him and his, man, him and his wife messed up dearly. The reason we have two countries at war over there in Israel is because of Abraham and his wife, Sarah, messing this whole thing up with the Hagar situation. And you can read it in Genesis. I mean, they tried to help God out by, you know, doing it their way. Look what happened. We're still at war over there. But my point is God turned it all around. Look at King David. I mean, he messed up, did he not? I mean, he blessed his heart. I mean, he went from being slaying giants to being slain by a giant when it came to, you know, the, all the thing he went through with Bathsheba. But look what happened there. God redeemed him and even loved him so much that he named the city of David, which is where Jesus, you know, where Jesus came through and all that, and the whole lineage of Jesus all still came through David. Isn't that awesome? God knows how to turn your situation around. He said, well, Pastor Brian, I feel like I've failed in this area. Is it ever redeemable? Listen, you can pray to God and you can let him have that situation and have a conversation with him that can change your life. One of the beautiful things I know about the Lord is that once you give it to him, it's forgotten. 
is forgiven, is forgotten. And I want to pray with you right now as we celebrate this day because this is the goodness of God. He not only wants to walk with you and talk with you, but he wants you to have an intimate relationship. And by the way, learn. You say, Pastor Brian, I don't know about that hearing the voice of God. The voice of God is sometimes your own voice inside of you. But learn to listen to that voice. Let it speak to you. Practice his presence. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much that 2,000 plus years ago, you came into this earth to give us a relationship with God, that we can walk with God because of what you did for us. We thank you for the legacy of Noah. We thank you for Abraham. We thank you for all these men and women of God. And we thank you for these precious words of the Apostle Paul that we can redeem the time because we give the time back to you. And so right now, I pray over a person in the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, Shelby, if you'll come on up here, uh, Jonathan, would you help me with that mic? And you can come on up here too, Jonathan. Shelby, would you come up here? And uh, thank you, Jonathan, or give that to her. Thank you, thank you. Shelby, would you just take a moment right here? I just feel like there's some girls out there, I mean, not girls, ladies out there, excuse me, that, um, and I know this is for the men too, but then we're going to let Jonathan come to close the service, but... You know, maybe they, there's some things they've done they deeply are ashamed of. They regret them. They're embarrassed of them. They allowed things to happen they shouldn't allow. And I'm not just talking about sexual. I'm talking about in other areas, okay? Um, maybe some decisions they made that they knew they shouldn't do. You know, they say that girls are more sensitive to the Lord and guys. I believe that. <laughs> I do. I mean, really, I don't think till I got 30 years old that I really was hearing from God, even though I was 28 years old when I married Sheila, so I was definitely hearing from God. But anyway, my point was, girls are, women are, uh, women women are God's girls. So I, anyway, I don't want to belabor that point. Just, just, just pray for women. I just sense that some women are hurting, and maybe they're not even here, maybe not even watching. I know one woman in our church, and she's just running from God. She's running. She's running so... You know, I'm talking about walking with God today. She's, she's not walking. She's running from the Lord. I'm talking about running fast. And I'm concerned the point, the fact that she's going to not only destroy her own body, but she's destroying her own soul emotionally. So Shelby, step up to this, and Jonathan's going to take over and pray for some women. Yeah, is that mic on? There we go. Is it on? There you go. You can close that, Jonathan. And our identity are not found in anything that we can be or anything that we can do, but they're found in who you are, in your goodness, in your mercy, in your grace. Grace, the gift that is too good to be true. So Lord, I thank you right now that you flood this room and you flood those watching on the internet, their rooms with the grace and mercy of God. And anyone who might be standing in this room and standing in the gap for a loved one, Lord, I thank you that you 
you send your angels out charge to to grab them, Lord, snatch them up. Just like we know that uh, you shadow us with your wings, Father God. I thank you right now that you will just overshadow them wherever they are, that we can never outrun your goodness. We can never outrun your grace. We can never screw it up so royally that that your blood won't cover it. So I thank you that you cover these situations right now, not with something just like a veil where you can still see it, but you cover it with the blood that blots it out forever, that washes it away forever. And I speak to the our, our ladies' minds in this room, and I speak righteousness over your mind. I speak wholeness over your mind. I speak peace over your minds, that any anxiety or any doubts of self-harm or, or self, um, self-doubt, insecurities, that those thoughts would be washed away by the blood of Jesus and that the Holy Spirit as you walk with the Father will speak to you, will speak to you your identity in Him that you are more than enough, that you are more than a conqueror, that you are all that he has called you to be and more And anything in this life that you desire to do. You are not disqualified by a mistake, but you are qualified by the blood of Jesus. So walk with him, walk with him and he will show you the way just as pastor's been speaking about this morning, we walk with you, Father. We thank you that you'll handle everything else that concerns us as we just walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.